Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. In 1974, the idyllic woodlands outside the city of Vienna were hiding a dark secret among the cold December air. In the middle of the woods, a nude female body was found face-up covered with leaves. The victim was strangled with her own bra. This turned out to be a German sex worker by the name of Margaret Schaefer, and the culprit was quickly found to be 23-year-old Jack Unterweger, who was sentenced to life imprisonment for his brutal crime. While this might have been the end for many criminals, the life sentence turned out to only be the beginning for Unterweger, who was like a caged animal, waiting for his chance to be able to kill again. He managed to maneuver himself out of prison and continue his murderous behavior for years after his release, terrorizing his victims across the world as a Vienna Strangler. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. I'm Danny Murphy. And you know we're your partners in wine, crime, and time, because we're in your ear for the next hour, talking about a lot of stuff and reacting to a lot of things with our thoughts and feelings. This is going to be fun. This is like a hybrid episode because we're going to be talking about a crime as we as we do in our typical fashion. But then we're also going to talk about a documentary that everybody is posting about, tweeting about, messaging us about. So this is going to be a fun one. It's a hey, twofer. Also, also, Sarah, I'm laughing because now I'm realizing all the past documentary episodes we've done, I feel like it comes from a sense of superiority complex and bitterness because we're like, we would have done it so much better. <laughs> okay, especially with this documentary, I'm yeah. just like, why were we not contacted? I, I texted Danny in the middle of it. I was like, we can offer way more than these random jabronis they found off the internet. Yeah, and we sadly would have probably asked for less money. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, we'll pay you to yeah. be in it. I'll fly out to LA in the pandemic, even though you don't need me to shoot on location. 
Yeah, legit. But of course, that means we're going to be talking about the Cecil Hotel. Yes. We are going to be talking about this sketchy-ass hotel. It's a hard thing to throw this at me mid-pandemic. Not even mid-pandemic, mid this new life that we live. Because all I'm doing, I'm seeing people press an elevator button. I'm like, I'm so fucking jealous. <laughs> I, would, I would love to steal soap. I'd love to, I, I would love to check in. I'd love to, I never ring the bell because I have morals. Uh, but I would love to like fake ring the bell, have like a bell service, you know, tip people. Oh, I miss it all. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we also got some DMs at NATC Pod on Insta to be like, for, for our listeners in Texas, saying like, listen, I would I would pay to stay at the Cecil Hotel right now. Um, oh, God, yeah. over there. Donate to mutual aid funds, please, everybody. I really, really hope by the time this episode comes out, it's a, a better, better there, but truly, we hope you all are doing okay because it's just... Watching from here, it's terrifying. Yeah, I feel it's that awful. that is true. And also, we are honored that you would use your precious phone battery to DM us. Honestly, yeah, that means a lot. That means the world. That is legit. Um, so well, we're going to talk about the hotel and its history um, when we sort of segue into the documentary. But today's episode half is going to be. We're going to talk about one of the hotel's more infamous guests, Ooh. Jack Unterweger. I was going to say, yeah, Unterweger. Oh, Unterweger. Maybe that the, makes more sense. Maybe the W is a V. Unterweger. I don't Here's know. Here's also my thing. And He's Austrian. You can, you can, I mean, please keep us five stars. But um, if you are a criminal, I don't have to learn to pronounce your name incorrectly. Maybe I should because I host a true crime podcast. But you know what I mean? You don't get the grace. You're not you're not wrong. Yeah. He doesn't deserve it, especially this scumbag. He this does scumbag not. This scumbag that I feel like should have deserved three more episodes in this documentary, too. Oh, yeah. Like we'll I feel like all of the murderers who stayed at this hotel, which I guess was like two people, but whatever, they were just kind of a footnote. And yet I think that was way more interesting, especially compared to like, no, we're gonna just mention Richard Ramirez as a quick aside. But we're going to spend 10 minutes going into a tuberculosis conspiracy theory. Yeah. Well, because here's my two things. A, um, some of these have actually like more evidence and like facts versus ideas and like theories that could happen. So more yeah. interesting personally for me, I feel, and I feel like a lot of other people to watch. And B, Netflix, you have all the Richard Ramirez assets edited and put aside <laughs> from your other documentary just do the classic like high school thing of switching a paragraph into the other paragraph give us an episode on this one too that's so funny yeah what if they just popped in some some footage from the night soccer documentary and we're like no nobody's gonna know nobody's gonna know <laughs> they're gonna know we wouldn't know. actually i probably wouldn't have noticed <laughs> uh, yeah i mean knowing me I, I probably would be like this feels familiar but i don't know why yeah all right, so we're going to talk about our man, Jack. He was born Johann Unterweger in August 16, 1950 in Austria. And whatever, come at me for the pronunciation. I don't fucking care. This guy was the worst. <laughs> um, typical, sort of typical uh, emerging serial killer origin story. So his, his mom was absent. She may have been a sex worker. Some places I, some sources I read said that she was. Others like didn't say that um his dad was apparently an unknown american soldier who just basically impregnated his mother and then bounced 
And when he was growing up, his mom served some jail time for fraud. So he was sent off to live with his grandfather, who was abusive and also probably an alcoholic. Um, to the effect that Jack started drinking at five years old. Five. Oof, that's that's even young for Europe standards. I think Austria's <laughs> right. Because usually they start at like seven being like, can I actually have the Chianti? But five is a little. <laughs> five is intense. Um, then by the time he hit high school, he was in and out of jail for robbery and also um, pimping. And I do apologize in advance because I am, if there is a more sensitive term for that. Um, and his first arrest occurred when he was just 16 for assaulting a sex worker. And then from ages 16 to 25, he racked up 16 convictions, mainly for, you guessed it, attacks on women. And the weird part is, or I don't know, not so weird, is that he only spent 12 months in prison, despite all of these convictions. I don't get, A, how you can rack up that many attacks on someone and not have anything happen. Like, at the very least, give a month for an attack. So 25 months at, for the bare, bare minimum. Yeah, I mean... I feel like we actually do see this a lot with like certain um, serial killers. Like I remember we talked about like Ted Bundy, how he just sort of like used his charm to like talk himself out of jail. Oh yeah. Um, and this guy has big Ted Bundy energy. I feel like. Big, and I feel like it's a mix of that and also kind of what we were talking about with the last week with the Long Island serial killers too. This was let's go back to the fifties and sixties with this of how people viewed. I'm sure prostitutes and sex workers that were, I want to say for the majority of the people he was targeting, they of course just gave him a little slap on the wrist. Well, I agree to a point. So I guess his, um, so if he was born in 1950 and he started assaulting people in his twenties, so this is like the seventies. Um, yeah, it was the seventies. So I agree Um, to a point, but, um, one interesting thing to note is that, um, prostitution is legal in Austria and it is like government regulated. So I, I did read, um, a source i think it was like an excerpt from a book written about him but basically that like it's not the same like how um when we talk about sex workers being killed in the u.s they're like considered like very high risk for these types of crimes but um in austria it they're not considered like any more or less at risk than like the general population that, oh look at that you learn something new every day and not another true crime podcast and also <laughs> It's very important too that you bring up books because books is a major part of this story. Truth. I mean, we got to start writing books to get us out of things. Okay, so anyway, so as we kind of said, 12 months in prison here and there, but a very much history and past of abusing women. Uh, And then we have to get to 1974. And this is his first murder. First, uh, it was an Austrian woman named Margaret Schaffer, uh, or Schaefer, I'm more so assuming, uh, she was 18, and he strangled her with her bra, which is now just, remember this because it's going to come up again and again and again. Uh, again, please no, like truly write this down. But I mean, maybe don't write that down in like uh, your work computer. <laughs> strangled like, with her bra. I mean, honestly, my notes to myself. <laughs> the one time I decide to put on a bra in quarantine. Oh God, never again. That's just really that's like you groundhog seeing your shadow. You're like you're like no, thank you. Six more weeks of <laughs> Me opening my. My drawer of underwear, (laughs) undergarments. (laughs) Uh, So he said that he saw his mother's face in Margaret and, quote unquote, felt the sting of his abandonment. 
uh, which, sure, right. but I feel there's a lot of people that have abandonment uh, issues and situations and we don't go full bra strangulation, but that is probably true, Danny. <laughs> this is what he says. Most of us drink Cabernet and watch reality TV. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and when we're older than five. Yeah, when we're older than five. Yeah. Oh my God. I would not. <laughs> thank God. If I started drinking wine when I was five, I would, my BMI would have not be even existent. Like, I, I'm glad I had a few decades of not knowing how good wine was. Yeah. I think my liver would just be like, also that. I don't know, like a dirty air conditioner filter. Like, I don't even know. I like how you went the accurate health aspect. And I was like, oh my God, my pants would be so much tighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is where you think this story would end because he was sentenced to life in prison. But. See, this is so wild. It's so wild to the point that like, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, I read, I'm reading the wrong person. This can't be this. Yeah, you're like, oh, case closed. I figured out the murderer five minutes into law and order. Well, you know what I think? I feel like this is probably, I'm like, this This is only what the Cecil producers saw. And they're like, okay, we're done. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, this guy's story is, is very interesting. It's so interesting he wrote about it. So here's what happened. So while in prison, he seemed to have done a complete 180 and learned to read and write in prison, having some extra time. He wrote his autobiography. You know, you all have that friends that's like, our our life should be a TV show or like, I'm going to write a memoir. (laughs) Yes. This motherfucker did it. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, he wrote his autobiography, Trip to Jail, Report of a Guilty Man. And this ended up being, I mean, a solid title. You know, it's actually engaging. Yeah. Like, it's very to the point. I like that he calls it a trip to jail. Like, he's a travel influencer. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah, I just took a brief sojourn to jail. Just real quick. Just a little life sentence. Like, no shade, but all shade. That's how Teresa Giudici talks about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but she was was not given a life sentence for murder. That is true. And also, (laughs) this season looks really good, but we'll talk about that later. Um... (laughs) This was, um, so this ended up being the basis of a movie about his life made in 1988 called Purgatory or the Journey to Jail. Already, if this was 10 years later, Nicole Kimmon would have been in this somehow. I'm just. <laughs> I love, honestly, it's true. She would have played the mom or something. She would have been like, <sighs> or they would have like invented a wife so that she could play the wife because she always yeah. plays. <laughs> She'd be like, what's happening? Uh, people <laughs> liked the book so much. Like, people, like, truly... Like, this is a big fucking deal in Austria. Yeah. It was like Twilight, but a book <laughs> from a murderer. Uh, that influential people started advocating for his release. <laughs> so then, on May 23rd, Jorge's birthday, shout out, uh, in 1990, uh, he was released from prison after serving the mandatory 15-year sentence. So this reminded me of like we were just talking about that these TikTok videos where people were talking about what's the deal with judges um, sentencing people to consecutive life sentences. And then I did a Google search and found out it's because some in some places you can be eligible for parole after like a certain number of years. And it came back around. It came back around. He served his mandatory sentences, 15 years. He got out, got on parole because all these influential people started publicly advocating for him to be released, being like, oh, he's reformed and et cetera, et cetera. And thank you, TikTok. 
thank you TikTok for educating us how this could happen and then um but kind of like truly it was like the movie Chicago it is a musical but the movie version was better when he first got out he was truly treated like a celebrity like Sarah was saying all these influential people wanted to talk to him see him like heard him up he was doing talk shows speaking engagements like it's like truly insane so much so bitch got cocky drove a Ford Mustang with the vanity plate jack one I can't I didn't even know when did vanity plates get invented and why do I also everyone should never have them because that's just how people can stalk you especially if you're a serial killer <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of as a giveaway for the uh policia uh and then he really did a full-on pivot and then by 1991 he went ahead and made a full name for himself as an established esteemed journalist how yeah, like I'm still trying to make a name for myself as a journalist. Um, I would lo- I would love to do one speaking engagement. What? It, right? Aside from this podcast. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm like, well, this is this is a speaking engagement. This is a speaking please engage with us. Like, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be impressive, except this tiger did not change its stripes. <laughs> it sounded like something from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City for some reason. And shout oh, out to the very one. Much Jen Shaw count of one person who messaged us to be like i want to hear you guys talk about the real housewives it's like you're the only person but um danny and i can do that on our oh, own time okay i'm actually not joking we should try live. to deep dive into mary's call i would love that okay that's a pin in that yeah okay okay cool excellent okay anyways back to the serial killer like you all want so as we sort of hinted um it turns out that Jack was not reformed. So in the first year after his release, he killed six sex workers in Austria and they didn't really put it together until later. But what happened was in May 1991, so this is like literally a year after he got out of prison, um, a sex worker in Vienna was murdered and then three went missing. They had all disappeared from the red light district between April and May. One of the women was strangled with her own tights. And that victim was what they called a secret prostitute. She was not registered with the government. Her husband didn't know. And she had a job. And then she was doing that on the side. But it wasn't paying enough because she was dealing with a drug addiction. So she was like doing this on the side, not registered, so that she could make extra money because of her addiction. Okay. On May 23rd of 91, the body of Karen... Eroglu was found and she had disappeared on May 7th and she was found beaten and strangled with her own leotard. So, and again, she was like, she disappeared from the same part of the red light district. So the press started calling the killer, the Vienna woods killer because the bodies were found in the woods on June 3rd, her boy Jack went to the police headquarters for an interview saying he was a journalist working for a respected radio news program. And he was a freelancer. He got the assignment um, to work to like do a story on these um, sex workers who were killed. And he said he got the assignment because his aunt was a sex worker who was killed by a customer. So a sidebar that I thought I had put up in the bio, but I guess I didn't is... um, that is true. His aunt was a sex worker who was killed, but probably not by a customer. Mm-hmm. We can connect a dot. 
Yeah. So I'm like I, I the feel police like, in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we see this a lot with like the serial killers who um like insert themselves into police investigations to see what the police know. It's so like it's like both like to watch their back and also self-serving because it's like there's like a whole new level of manipulation mind games for them. Yeah. So he he inserted himself big time. Um and actually his story was real. It ran on June 5th. It was called The Fear in the Red Light Milieu. And there you go. You know, bitch can make a title. Yes. And then also following his release from prison, a Czech sex worker was found strangled with her own underwear. And police connected the timeline to his travel schedule and figured out that he was in Prague at that same time, but they couldn't directly time to it. And here's where it gets even more wild. And here's where our Hotel Cecil crossover comes in. So, and this is also what gets me confused because it is a very short timeline. It's so short. And also I'm like, how does he have all these miles? I guess miles didn't exist then. I'm like, how are you getting from A to B? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a seriously short timeline. It's like a year or two. It's not like the Golden State Killer who was terrorizing for years and years. In 1991, he got sent to L.A. to cover crime stories for an Austrian magazine. And, of course, he was supposed to cover crime and sex work. Dot, dot, dot. I also am kind of confused. I'm like, why did an Austrian magazine care about L.A. crime? But, I mean, I guess it doesn't I don't know. (laughs) That I don't know. It might just be a thing, too, that, like, us Americans are so dumb. I'm like, why do people care about other countries? They're like, we have to learn English. We actually... Keep up tabs I mean, with y'all idiots. We can barely get our citizens to care about our own crimes. <laughs> so I, True. I genuinely don't know. We are 10 steps back. It's truly opposites attract. Dibs on us being Paul Abdul, though. Yeah, and we suck. So, okay, Jack would, when he was in L.A., he would literally go on ride-alongs with some, like, LAPD officers and they thought he was just, you know, researching as a journalist, as you do. Turns out he was scouting his next moves. I mean, insane how smart and manipulative this entire orchestration was. Oh, completely. Also, here's a fun aside. He also did some like little sightseeing in LA. He found Zsa Zsa Gabor's house and he rang her doorbell and her husband answered <laughs> and, and was like, and he wanted to get an interview with her and was like, oh, it's going to cost you like X amount of money. And he was like, all right, never mind. And he also found Cher's house, but he didn't get past the gate. I mean, thank I'm Relatable. also shocked. I'm like, Zaza, like you were like, she was the big deal then. How do you not have protection on your gate? Thank God Cher did. I mean, I don't know. And this was before Cher had her believe money too, which is saying something, but she had a lot of money then. But like I mean, I feel like she had a lot of money. Oh, because the Cher show. I mean, I could do a full don't make me sing I got you babe. I'm missing karaoke so much. <laughs> <laughs> I do both parts. Everyone leaves. <laughs> Okay, so here is where it connects because you guys guessed it at the time he was staying at our favorite hotel, the Plaza. No, obviously the Cecil <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> um, and he probably stayed there to pay tribute to Richard Ramirez, who um, was staying there and killed 13 women during his tenure at that place. And basically, he. Jack just started 
doing what he does. Brutally murdering women there. Killing sex workers. He, three sex workers were found um, strangled with their own bras. Shannon Exley, Irene Rodriguez, and Sherry Ann Long while he was staying there. They were also um, all beaten and sexually assaulted with tree branches. So just like extremely brutal. It's just so brutal. And when I was reading that, I didn't know if it was like to call back to like the wood, like the Vienna Woods killer or something like that. It was just so, at the bottom line, it was repulsive and disgusting. Repulsive. And this, I mean, this guy just had a very clear MO and like, it's wild that he was able to kill so many people before police caught him. In so many different areas. And, a, and after being in police custody, get, custody, getting released because of a book about him being a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. So then after he did his L.A. crimes, he went back to Austria to go talk to the cops more and do more interviews and yada, yada, yada. Dot, dot, dot. So he really seems like there was no slowing down for this guy, like going everywhere, never getting caught, even having the police, like being in the police car, but not in the back seat, in the fucking front seat with them doing the ride wise. It seems like it's like almost an impossible game to end, but they did end up catching him. So police actually ended up being onto him and hatched a plan. They would uh, pretend to be a journalist from the culture section, interviewing him about his latest book. I love how everything in this is just all scams and lies. Like, can't the police just be police? But I guess I like it because he was a a smooth talker and a charmer and like just like a big talker, and they had to like out talk. They had to out bullshit the bullshit artist. Like they had to come in with a good ruse. That's true. Maybe Nicole Kidman could be this character, right? I also think probably because he was a high profile uh, person. person who was like supported by influential people they probably wanted to make sure they had it right that's that's true and then also you know uh it's a good way to make him feed more because he loves to talk about himself he loves himself yeah i mean this would be a really good fictionalized movie i feel like you don't even have to fictionalize that much it's very dramatic here's i will just forward this outline to sony and be like give us money (laughs) (laughs) i will see how that works so then basically he went and also knew he was one of the many suspects and was trying to outsmart the cops. This was truly like a, he said, she said, trying to one up each other whole scenario. Uh, yeah, a real cat and mouse game. Yeah. Uh, the cops discovered he was in Graz, the city where the sex workers were killed uh, at the time of the murder. So they were able to place him there. And then a headline on the front of the paper on February 14th read murder series and arrest warrant for uh, Jack Unterweger. Unterweger. Uh, so then his name out there, identity out there. And also the thing is everybody, it's the not interesting thing, but also so many people know him because he did end up becoming this kind of celebrity type person and very uh, uh, known. It was interesting that that happened because it reminded me of that part in the Night Stalker where the LA mayor said in a press conference like revealed the identity of Richard Ramirez and the cops were pissed and they wanted her to keep that under wraps for a bit longer so they could catch him. Um, And then it led to like that whole neighborhood manhunt thing at the end. But I got similar vibes. The, the similar vibes. So after this um, headline, boy hops on another fucking flight. (laughs) 
so him and his girlfriend, Bianca, who some outlets did say it was a teenager. So there's just Gross. that on top of all the fucking this. They went to Paris and then flew to Miami. I'm already exhausted. Truly jet that, setting. But they Jet setting, London, Paris, maybe Tokyo or Miami. Um, that's for all of our Hillary Duff girls out there. <laughs> On February 26th, <laughs> a woman he was corresponding with told him Success Magazine would pay him 10 grand for an exclusive on-the-run interview. Like it's fucking Beyonce and Jay-Z's tour. Legit! <laughs> I was going to say Bonnie and Clyde earlier, so let's just bring it full circle. Oh, 2000, the only time we don't uh, speak is around Sex in the City. I mean, what a fucking <laughs> song. What a fucking song. Um, and it was all a scam. It was all a dream. It was all a ruse. The U.S. Marshals showed up the next day. Boom. They didn't have no pen paper. Well, they probably had a pen and paper, but not to interview him to catch the bitch. And also, because Unterweger had a past conviction, uh, they were uh, able to hold him in the U.S. because, like, can't just, I guess, I mean, I guess it makes sense. You can't be flying around everywhere if you're a criminal. Yeah, he just didn't, like, disclose it, I guess, yeah, it's, when you know, he... Um, came with the visa that he had a felony conviction yeah you got to check your carry-on your luggage your convictions you got to get all of that down uh so he ended up being arrested in miami february 27th 1992 uh then there was a jurisdiction fight because both california where the crimes happened and austria where the crimes happened wanted to try him but eventually they shipped him back to vienna to have him uh, and he was eventually then extradited back to austria and returned on may 28th 1992 so a short, a short reign of terror, but um, terrible nonetheless. And his trial began April 20th, hey, 1994. It was deemed the trial of the century by Austrian media. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty big fucking deal. You had a guy in prison for murder. He gets a life sentence. He gets out early because he seems to be so reformed. And like the, what's the word, like poster boy. And then he turns around and is even worse. So much worse. So much worse. So this time was like his kind of like almost redemption tour. Like he was talking to the media, giving interviews, saying he was innocent. And it's like, bro, the receipt, we have receipts on receipts on receipts. It's a thing too. It's like, you're like, which one are you innocent for? Which crime? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's one thing to say like, oh, I didn't do this one. I didn't commit this one murder. Like I wasn't there or something like that. But it's like, how come we have the wrong guy for like over 10, for like what, 10 people? Yeah. With your very specific methods. Like, come on, dude. It's the writing on the wall. It's the writing on fucking every, the writing in your book, the writing on the wall, the writing everywhere we can see it. Yeah. So he was charged with 11 counts of murder and he was found guilty of nine murder counts in 1994. And then he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Um, The reason he was only sentenced or found guilty for nine murders was just because the cause of death couldn't be determined for two of them. And then in 1994, after the guilty verdict, he committed suicide, hanging himself and according to Austrian law, because he died before he could appeal the verdict, it's not considered legally valid. So technically, he's seen as innocent in the eyes of the law. But like that reminded I mean, that just made me feel like the end of the the devil next door where that guy was. I think he he was declared guilty, I think, in Germany. And then 
he died before it could be appealed. It was like the same thing where it's like technically he's innocent, but like, all right. Let's call a let's call a spade a spade and a criminal a criminal and a murderer a murderer. Yeah. Now we'll segue if you're ready into kind of doc thoughts. Oh yeah. And I feel like we both went in, at least I don't want to group you. I personally went in under the assumption that each episode was going to be about a different murder or weird thing or situation that happened at the hotel. I mean, that would have been good. I did I did uh, type up some facts about the, the hotel. So let me just read them to you guys Stat it out. first so that we're all on the same page. So Hotel Cecil is a hotel in downtown LA. It has 700 rooms, 299 of which are hotel rooms. That's a key word, hotel rooms. The rest are single occupancy residences. Um, that was a trick question on our quiz on um, NATC pod on Instagram. Ooh. Tricked a lot of you guys. I also just worded the question badly. So that was on me. And also want to shout out mid, uh, mid episode. We're really getting traction on that uh, Instagram account. If you want to give it a like, NATC pod, we're so close to 50K. Make our day. We are so close. So okay, this hotel, it's got a checkered past, to say the least. Um, some lowlights. Some lowlights. In 1927, a man named Percy Ormond Cook shot himself in the head in the room. In 1931, a guest named W.K. Norton took poison capsules and died in his room, which is like, all right, that's a, a way to go. That is a choice. Where do you even get poison capsules? I don't know. I don't need, yeah, I really don't know. And then um, between the 1940s and 50s, just more suicides occurred. I feel like it just became like a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, and then in 1947, Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. The Black Dahlia was rumored to have had a drink there right before her murder at the hotel bar, but it's not confirmed. And also, I didn't see any mention of a bar there. Yeah, and actually, I was like, didn't bring that up at all. You didn't stay on Maine. Maybe there was one in 1947, and now there's not. That is true. And then in 1964, a retired telemarketer, Pigeon Goldie Osgood, mm-hmm. was, yeah, I was like, that is a name. That's a name, but such a cute name. Yeah, it's it's like a kind of like an old movie star name. Oh yeah, yeah. Like remember that pigeon Goldie flick? Oh yeah, I like that. Yes. So unfortunately, she was found sexually assaulted, stabbed, and beaten, and her murder remains unsolved. They did have like a suspect who eventually got let go. So the murder's still unsolved today. And then we have. Richard Ramirez, who stayed there in 1985, killed 13 women. Also, it was the inspiration for um, American Horror Story Hotel. Huh. Because it is truly an American horror story of a place. <laughs> I feel like they could have made that, uh, like Lady Gaga could have been a little creepier if this was the inspiration for that one. Legit. And then um, most, I would not say most notably, but more notably, and I think this is how we heard of this place and how yeah. I think most people heard of this place is um, Elisa Lamb's very um, strange death, which occurred in 2013. And we did a full episode about it. If you guys want to listen, just go back into the feed. We'll share our thoughts. We'll give more facts about um, her death and what happened there. That's a brief rundown of the hotel. Not a place I'd recommend to stay. <laughs> No, I would not. I would not <laughs> frequent. I would not walk by it. I would not um, want a trip advisor. It not at all. 
I would love to read those reviews. Oh, God, yeah. So the documentary sort of mostly focused on Elisa Lamb's death. Yeah, a lot, like, a lot, which I really was not expecting. I don't know why, because I know that's how I found out about the hotel, and, like, she was in the promo, but I kind of, because once you Google the hotel, there's an entire Wikipedia page of people who were, like, murdered, missing, et cetera, from there. I think also just because it was called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, and nothing to do with her, that I thought they would make it equally about all the weird stuff that's happened there. If it was a Lisa Lamb documentary, that makes sense. But that feels like it was Lisa Lamb, then they realized who the manager of this hotel was. They're like, well, we got to fucking film her. (laughs) Right. I mean, it also, like, wasn't... Like, I wouldn't call that a vanishing. Oh, yeah. They called it the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And it's like, she did go missing for a few days, but then she was found at the very hotel. And you had all the footage. framing. I'll put... I'll say that much. Yeah, that is interesting that they went with that because I just didn't... I feel that there was also so much... They um, it's well. I mean, we had we did a full episode right before we started talking about it about like stuff that they skirted on but didn't really dive into, and I mean, I don't know. Well, I feel like there's times where it's like we always. I feel like you're never completely happy with a documentary. Like they talked about Skid Row, but I almost would have liked more information about Skid Row. I mean, I know about it, but like if you're gonna really have it be intertwined more, maybe give some more background with that versus just like it's here. This is like five minutes. Boop. Okay, now moving on. Like it's it felt very like. Stage, stage, Elise Lamb, Elise Lamb, Elise Lamb, stage, stage. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think overall, there, there was some things I did learn about the case that I didn't learn when we were doing like our initial research. Um, like the whole thing with the bookstore and her getting a box delivered. I didn't oh, know about yeah. that. I didn't know that she was like leaving notes for the guests. Or maybe I knew and then I forgot, honestly. But I knew that she was moved to a private room but I didn't know that she was like literally leaving notes for people. Yeah, I did not know that either. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a situation. And I feel like, I guess we did cover it, but maybe I just completely slipped my mind. I forgot, I forgot about the talk show thing. Like there was a lot. Which talk show thing? Uh, how she like, when she went to a taping and then wanted to give a note to the talk show host or the game show host. Oh, and- I forgot about that. I mean, we did do this episode quite yeah, a while we did. ago. I swear we did. But I mean, okay, so there was a lot brought to light on it. So it was like she... Yeah wanted to give a note and they're like, oh, that's a security hazard and then kicked her out of the film because of tape. Yeah, I do think though, there was a lot that was, um, I think kind of problematic about it. I think like the way, I mean, number one, those internet sleuths. Let me get this out of the way. Those people were like, they were just grief tourists. It was just like, Elisa, yeah. I don't know why you feel like a sister to me. And it's like, it's because it's a high profile news case and you want to feel involved in something like, relax, like stop, you know? Cause that was the thing. It's not even like, cause I mean like shout out to body moving our OG yeah. of the internet. She really put her heart and fucking soul. Like she was on the internet every day doing it kind of in the same similar thing, but like trying to find shit out versus just like, talking about like trying to relate to the information yeah all these people did was just try to insert themselves into this which i felt was bizarre and they didn't they didn't uncover anything productive in fact they fucked up some some poor guy's life who (laughs) happened to stay at the hotel a year earlier and i like how they thought he was so sketchy because it's like he's weird on the internet where it's like and we're all weird on the internet. What do you mean? I know. I'm like, 
and what about y'all? They're like, he's super obsessed with Kate. And what about y'all? Like, it was very... <laughs> and the poor guy just was, he was like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I know, I felt really bad almost watching him. I'm like, he got fucking... Like, people are going to know him for this now. I know. And I feel bad about that because, frankly, I didn't even know about that angle. And I don't think I would have ever known if it weren't for the documentary. So I almost, like, worry if it's sort of... I mean, he was contacted by, like, I think the, like, Mexican feds. Um around like during the time of the disappearance in the case and like in the immediate aftermath so there were real consequences but i also feel like now it's bringing it back up again where i'm just like i'm glad he got to clear his name but like i wouldn't have even known that this was a factor no and then i also feel it's a hard thing too where it's like people like always like half watch the documentary or something like that where they see his face in the trailer or in a screenshot and then like he did it i'm convinced oh well that's on the individual for not paying attention and also, it's like quite literally no. And then also the thing too that made me interested, I guess, because he was a, a suspect, so they had to talk about it. I'm like, so the full final episode of this documentary is about a suspect that we know didn't do it. That and also, I feel like they spent more time talking about a base baseless conspiracies than they talked about. And then in the last ten minutes, it was like. Oh, yeah, well, it probably had to do with her um, bipolar disorder on the fact that she went off her meds. Like, they spent two minutes on that, literally at the end. But we're like, oh, let's spend 20 minutes in the middle talking about how people think she's a government agent because of a coincidence about the test for tuberculosis and what it's called. I mean, that was a strange coincidence. But It was very strange, but still, it's like... And then when they were like, why is the footage? And then like, they're like, the footage, the timestamps are messed up because the. Well, that was the thing that I kind of, I kind of thought that immediately. Immediately. I was like, well, the police probably like slowed down the footage for what they released to the public. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's the same footage that they They have. have, That's real. Because also they want to slow it down so you can get stills of the woman's face. (laughs) Yeah. And also maybe they cut out that minute. Because there's something like key in in that minute that they don't want to release to the public, and they can't tell you that either. Oh, that's true. I yeah, don't know. Cause it, yeah, because I was thinking too. Because that's so true. I was thinking on the other side. I was like, that was just a minute of empty elevator too that they just didn't even want to include. But it's one of those like there's so many options for why they would just kind of chop something up to release to public consumption because they needed to be grabby also for people to actually watch it. Yeah, and like, what did you think of the hotel manager? <laughs> I mean, spinoff potential. I would love to see her on uh, Hotel Impossible or something like that. Oh, my it was, God. It was kind of just when she... This place would be great for that. See, that Quibi is gone because she could have been on that Quibi show where they rehab haunted oh, houses. Murder house, yeah. Well, that when she was just like... She kind of, I feel like, tried to also... I mean, I guess, like, who wouldn't if you're being interviewed for a documentary? I feel there was a lot of sensationalism with her when she was like, is there a room where there wasn't a murder? And it's like... It's like we're, there weren't seven hundred murders. Yeah, close, but no cigar. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was just like she was kind of. I mean, like she was fun. She was entertaining to watch. I don't think that was the purpose of her. But I was sort of just like, what is going on here? And she was just like, and I love too that I'm like, oh, so you truly lied like to do a pivot with this stay on Maine as well to try and get people to come in when you know all this shit is going down here. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think she was like as shady as some people thought i just kind of felt like she took a a job and was in way over her head and is now sort of being like defensive which you know 
think any anyone would be i guess um Fair. yeah you know yeah and uh but that's what it's like uh it was funny yeah because i feel like a lot of the talk about her then there was a lot of information about the rebranding of this hotel that i was kind of also like do we i mean like what it's interesting to know but i'm like if this is if we're only getting so few of this is this really what we're going to waste our time on you know what i mean yeah, the, the stuff that they like chose to spend time on was, I mean, interesting to me. What I mean, I might also think too, where I feel they, because it's, it's the thing, I just feel like it's one of those like four docs, and especially you always know the first episode of a Netflix doc is really just get your, if you know remotely anything about this case, get your popcorn, it. get your wine, just start cooking, cleaning, doing everything. Cause I'm yes, like, yes, I do love to clean. The entire time, the first episode was just, and then there was this video team and it was like so let us explain to you what viral on the internet means it's like okay we yeah really don't it's like i'm watching this on an internet streaming service like cut me you know give me some credit yeah give us a little bit of like half an education point on our end so i feel like that was kind of the way the timeline was weird because they were like they like she disappeared and then they were like oh and let's talk about black dahlia for 0.5 0.5 seconds um, and let's yeah. also give a history of like los angeles and the downtown area and oh by the way like elisa is still missing and it's like okay can we just like put this in some sort of chronological order like no can you help us out a little bit here people i know it was very there was some choppy waters with it for sure and i just don't totally ah, well it's a hard thing too where i feel like there was i think it's getting a lot of good reviews because it was like a quick watch and kind of like interesting especially if you know a lot about elisa lambert if this case is very interesting toward like to you but i feel like it was kind of like kind of giving me the john benet 2020 special where i'm just like okay what i what are we doing here it was a little better it was better than that but i feel i would have just loved more about the hotel because i think that was the only thing my expectations were confused because of the title yeah i feel like it was to me it was better than the john benet special because the john benet special would present quote-unquote evidence to you but then they wouldn't explain the other side of the evidence which would be like dna was found on her leggings and then they wouldn't say that that dna was transfer dna yeah stuff like that so that one was a pretty big waste of time in my opinion this one was like interesting and i did learn some new things but i just felt like the overall a lot of choices were made that I questioned. And also now I'm kind of wondering too, what is your, after watching it, what do you feel? Do you have any updates or change of opinions about what actually ended up ultimately happening to Elisa Lamb? Honestly, no, especially like as they got into, um, I mean, the one point that I will concede is like, I, I feel like with the hotel this shitty, um, I don't really necessarily believe that their alarm was fully operational. I think like it's definitely possible somebody like went up the normal way and the alarm just didn't get triggered because like this hotel is just incomplete, you know, disrepair. Um, Though the argument that like, you know, it'd be really hard to carry someone, someone's body up a fire escape ladder. That part was convincing. I wanted to ask you too, because this actually ended up making me it made me more so feel that it was just uh, Elisa having an issue with medication, et cetera. When they were zooming in and talking so much about the elevator footage, when they were like, there's another person's foot there. I am convinced it's her foot. 
Same. Same. I was like, isn't that just her foot turned the other way? Like, yeah. Her heel? Like, I did not get that that was another person's foot at all. And then because they were like, it, she would have to twist her foot. But if you saw her walking, the way she was walking was kind of, because she was disoriented or on edge or worried. She was walking not really in a straight left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot situation. And I was like, that is 100p her foot. You saw her turn. <laughs> yeah, I was really not convinced by the foot. I mean, it, it could be also literally anything. It's like CCTV footage from eight years ago. Yeah, it could have been a speck of dust. And I like, too, some of the sleuths. And I think, I don't know if this was the guy who was like, this is really my identity now. And I'm like, weep, Like, Yeah, it's like, maybe you should get another one. Yeah. But when he was like, in no way is that the shoe she was wearing. And I'm like, it is a black fuzzy dot. Legit. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, you can't tell that from anything. I know. It was very, so that's actually what kind of made me, like, I feel like they did drop that bomb to be like, and I'm like, I really did kind of feel like more and especially more when they talked more about Alisa's history and some more clarity on uh, what she was, uh, how she was feeling and what she was doing during her time there and around her final days. It did kind of seem to me to be more of a, um, a, a situation where like she was doing that to escape and then, kind of ended up happening there, just her own demons. And it was interesting too, I thought about the, uh, sometimes when people are like drowning, they take off their clothes to try to float, like inherently do that. I was like, oh, that is a- I mean, Oh yeah, like in Titanic. It's morbidly interesting, I guess you could say. Yeah. That is interesting. I could see that. I also, I semi felt like they kept saying like, oh, well, she could have done LSD. And it's like, sure, but you don't really have any evidence to um, say that, except for the fact that like, I suppose people were selling drugs nearby the hotel, but I feel like you could say that about anyone at any time. You know what I, I mean? Say, spoiler alert for any parents out there traveling. Most most times near hotels, there are people selling drugs. <laughs> like, it's not always that, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, she could have been, but she also, it, like, I whatever, that was a weird. Well, that was, there were so, and I feel like that's also why, what we were talking about at the beginning, where we have a case with the beginning, middle, and that we just covered, uh, and then uh, we have this one with just so many theories upon theories. And the theories are so interesting. Don't get me wrong. I so like, many theories. I mean, yeah, they think it was like somebody at the hotel covering it up. Like, I mean, I'm shocked they weren't like, well, in that year, what was Britney Spears doing? I'm, su- I'm shocked Britney Spears is not looped into this somehow. Thank God she wasn't. <laughs> I don't even feel like the hotel would go through like that much effort to like cover something like that up. No. I don't know. I, at least there was the one internet sleuth who was kind of like, he kind of seemed to be like, yeah, you know, we went too far and, and seemed to sort of understand that they kind of did too much. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. They were like, oh, we got a little too obsessed with this. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Like, he definitely realized he got carried away and admitted it, which I think is fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that they are at least taking ownership of that. But also, it's kind of funny, too, where I feel like it's the thing where it's like um, with... Uh, don't fuck with cats. At least those people, I was like, well, you got an ending out of this and everything. But for <laughs> this one, like they didn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also think that don't fuck with cats. People were overrated because like, Ooh, it was very obvious. Okay. It was, it was obvious to me that Luca Magnata used one of his burner accounts to message Bonnie Moving with the name 
Luca Magnata. Like, there's just no way that they would have found this name in a haystack of however billion people are on this earth. So, whatever. So, I mean, whatever. They they did try. They did a lot, for sure. They did more than these people, but they didn't, like, identify Luca Magnata. Like, he self-identified and was like, all right, I'm getting bored. Let's uh, kick this chase up a notch. <laughs> that is accurate. That is true. Yeah, that is true. And I think it's also in, not easier. I don't know, but it's like they had a thing of like trying to find someone versus the Elisa Lamb one of just like trying to find an answer that maybe isn't an answer and you're looking for things where you're not looking for things and stuff like that. So it's just kind of two separate roads in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. I mean, these guys were like, to me, they were just like the wish version of don't fuck with cats. I was just, I was getting mad. I was just like, this is, this is bogus. Bogus. But you know, I mean, I, I did not, I did not hate watching it. I watched it. No, no. I, I've hated, I've hated other documentaries more. This was yeah. like a fun watch to know why everybody's talking about and fun to kind of pick apart a bit. I know. And I would, I would rather take, I would rather be left wanting more than being overstuffed, I guess you could say. Because that is true. Because of that, we were able to have uh, a very informative and intense episode about something that was a launching pad for that. So, you know, shout out to Netflix once again. I think it's time to bring in the lovely Jorge. Jorge. For our game. Hello, everyone. So, this week, we're going to do something a little different. So, Ooh. considering that this week's killer was from Vienna. We're going to take a look at another famous Vienna dweller, Sigmund Freud. Might have heard of him. (laughs) Yes. So this segment will be called Don't Be a Freud. (laughs) (laughs) They always end up for therapy. Then you leave crying and going back every week, paying them money. So who knows? (laughs) So we're going to be taking a deep look at your subconscious minds to uncover (laughs) your true identities. Okay, that's fun. Yikes, okay. So this is how it's going to work. I'm going to give you four prompts and ask you to write a few words for each of them. Then afterwards, we'll go through them and see what they reveal about yourselves. So okay, get some pen and paper. Yes. And Bear our back. listeners are welcome to play along if they <gasps> oh my God, please, want as yes. well. So um, yeah. I just want everyone to know that I had pen and paper on hand, Sarah didn't. So I should get like extra Freud points because I feel he likes people <laughs> that are prepared. There's no winners this week, Danny, but you're the winner this week. I needed that. I mean, Freud can examine that. <laughs> I'll have him unpack that at a later date. Okay, I'm back and I'm ready to learn some things about my subconscious. All right. I'm let's ready, but it's happening. Do it. So the first prompt is going to be pick your favorite animal and write down three adjectives to describe it. Okay, perfect. Okay. Second question is pick your favorite article of clothing and write down three adjectives to describe it. Like a specific one? Yes. Your favorite article of clothing. Hmm. Or it can be like, you know, something general like jeans or a sweater. Or it can be a specific like this shirt. Our next one is your favorite body of water. And the same thing, three adjectives to describe it. Now, it's the same thing. So it could be something generalized like an ocean or a river, or it can be like the lagoon behind my parents' old okay. home. <laughs> okay. Someone, someone took like AP Psych with that. I'm like, no, I'm not bringing up, I'm not bringing up no childhood in this. 
Freud. We got to have a Patreon to bring up childhood. Yeah, I'm like, damn. Okay. It has to be adjectives? Yeah, three adjectives to describe Okay. It. Or it can be an emotion, just something. Yikes, I just went so real with that. Oh, damn, what is happening? Wow. We get deep on NATCP. We get, we get our body of water is deep. <laughs> the body of water one, this is where I'm going to lose you guys, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, our final prompt. So I'm going to read you a short passage. And while you're listening, write down three emotions as you feel them throughout the text. Okay, oh my God, this is like a DBQ. Let's oh go. God, I know. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> okay, you are sitting in a chair inside a room facing a window. Outside the window, you're looking at the most beautiful, peaceful, relaxing scenery you could ever imagine. Because of the view you're enjoying, you feel a complete and utter peace within yourself. Suddenly, without any warning, someone comes up to the window and pulls the shades. How many, how many, who's our, I need some talk space after that. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) All right, we did it. So now we're going to start going through them. So... Your first one was your favorite animal and three adjectives. And this one is supposed to reveal how you view yourself. So, Danny, let's start with you. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I need to log off the Zoom because I picked cow. (laughs) (laughs) That's your favorite animal. (laughs) I've just been watching. Hey, I've been eating a lot this quarantine. Uh, I'm among a wet February, not a dry January. But also I've been watching so many cow videos online and they're really just, why is it? Because they're strong, lovely, and supportive. They're just so adorable. Wow, look at that. That is so lovely. So you know what? I'm a nice cow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying. Oh my God. I picked otters. Oh. Because they are cute, fuzzy, and playful. Wow, look at that. I don't know that I'm fuzzy. <laughs> so I was like, I'm your not heart is fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'll go with cute and playful. Yeah. All right. The next one, your favorite article of clothing, reveals how others perceive you. Ooh. Oh, no. So, Sarah, we'll start with you. What did you pick? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I just, I went with the most obvious, which is a black crop top. I just said it's <laughs> black, it's short, it's flattering. <laughs> I'm short. That's short. true. <laughs> go with that, yeah. And also, those, that is like your staple. Yeah. <laughs> I said mine is a multicolored sweater because they're cozy, stylish, and multi-purpose. Honestly, oh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Three for three, Danny. Three for Hello, three. For you. <laughs> I need that after cow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The body of water question is supposed to reveal how you perceive sex, how you relate to sex. Okay. Okay. Okay, Danny, we'll start with you. Um, I picked, because you said we could do it, I picked bathtub water. <laughs> 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 and you, know, you got to bleach. People don't, you bleach your bathtub and you bleach some other things. So That's true. shout out to that. I'm always on the <laughs> nose. Not always on the nose, but sometimes on the nose. Um, it's <laughs> controllable. Consent matters. Let me tell you that much. Relaxing, I hope so. And an escape. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. Wow. I mean, month 11 of, and also like a myth. I feel like it's pandemic. <laughs> month 11. I'm just like, now I'm like, cool, I'm a cow with a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I chose the the lake at my summer camp. Um, but 
I could really only be honest in my attributes, which are that it is man-made, which is true. It was cold, which is true. And also I put summery because obviously I'd go there in the summer and I didn't know how else to describe it. So, um, yes. (laughs) You know, some man-made toys really get the job done. So you're on the next that. Oh, man. (laughs) I want to play this game all the time. I'm going to do this on dates. This is hilarious. And the last prompt, which was that passage, is supposed to reveal your relationship to death. Oh, that's a dark yeah, one. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. okay. <laughs> what did you have, Sarah? Well, I, I sort of, you took us on a journey in that passage. So at first I felt lonely, then relaxing, and finally bummed. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Talk about a bum journey, I guess. Let's <laughs> I think I will be bummed when I die, and I hope you will be too. That's accurate. Yeah, I like that. Well, now I'm worried oh about God. how if it like predicts like how I'm going to die. Because I said pensive, reflective, mm-hmm. and concerned. <laughs> so shit's, well, this is this. I need to stop being a cow, so I'm not concerned about dying. I guess. <laughs> wow. So yeah, so um, thanks for playing along, guys. I feel like uh, we we all know each other a little bit better. That was a, so lot, funny. a lot better. Oh, a lot made better. Wait, and I need people, I hope people played at home because I want them to DM us their answers because I'm so curious now. Yeah, that'll be so fun. Yes, DM us your answers, NATC pod. Follow the Instagram, guys. We're almost at 50K. Very exciting times. And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Give us five stars. We appreciate it so much. We really love you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Yeah. Send it like send it into a group chat. Be like, hey, you guys should check them out. And then let us send us a screenshot of you promoting us. And then we'll be like, your group chat is cool, but you're the coolest in it. You know what I mean? Something oh, yeah. Like if totally. you want to. And we also have a fun group chat of sorts, our Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not another true crime group. Just ask to join, answer the questions. We'll let you in. We talk about um cases theories multi-level marketing pyramid schemes post memes in there it's just a generally fun time so um go join us there you can also follow me on instagram at sarah lameem you can follow me at cashmere danny cashmere with a k and thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be back next week betches